How we doing, Jamster faithful, and welcome to another edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. This is the Suns John Matthew podcast. I'm John, and I'm joined by Matthew. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing really good, man. On the other side of the wall right now with you, right? <laughs> Two separate bedrooms. Yeah, we're, we're doing a Zoom call, and you're in the other room doing the Zoom call because I'm yes. going to teach you how to do some little podcast production after this here yes. podcast. You are my master. I can't wait to learn from you. So if there's any fuck-ups, it's all Matthew's fault. <laughs> it's for, all my uh, fault. This podcast, anything that messes us, is my fault. <laughs> anything that we don't edit out. So it's on, yeah. it's on Matthew. So super excited again to bring you another quality, fun podcast full of Suns content. Make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you're listening to it. You can always catch us on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network. You can follow the Sun's Jam session at Sun's Jam on both Instagram and Twitter, as well as on Facebook. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida, and you can, you can follow Matthew on Twitter. at Matthew Lissy. Uh, we got a ton of stuff to talk about today. Uh, and it's a ton because it's a lot of Aiton. We heard plenty from yes. DeAndre Ayton this week, and I'm super excited to delve into everything that he talked about. But one thing I do want to throw out there to all the Jamsters is if you get a chance, stop by sonsjamsession.com. We actually just released the website yesterday on the 4th of July, and super excited. It just kind of takes all of our content and puts it in one area for you, links to everything that we do, uh, an opportunity to – connect with us for mailbag questions. If you don't want to go that route, you can always email us sunsjamsession at gmail.com, but stop by the website. And also if you'd like to donate to the show, you know, any donations are appreciated as it allows us to continue to grow the podcast. And again, it is appreciated. So without further ado, I think it's time that I crack open a nice cold beer. Sound good, Matthew? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here, let me crack this bad boy open. Let's, let's talk some suns. get into everything that is DeAndre Ayton. Yesterday on July 4th, we got a nice little Independence Day treat, if you will, as the Suns scrimmage schedule in Orlando was set. So on July 23rd, they'll be playing against Utah. On July 26th, they'll be playing against Boston. And on July 28th, they'll be scrimmaging against Toronto. I'm not sure if they're going to be televised, but how excited are you to watch and or hear about these scrimmages? Uh, honestly, uh, I'm not trying to bring down the whole show so like so quickly, but not too excited. I mean, I don't oh, think this wah, could be. Wah, I'm not going to be. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be televised. I mean, it's good that these guys are going to have the reps against other teams. That's going to be great. I love that so much. But scrimmages, I don't think we're going to really have to see. We're not going to be able to see anything. I don't think just because. I feel like for the reason that teams won't have tapes on the other team and stuff like that. But I think that I'm excited for the players that actually be involved in playing five on five against other teams. But other than that reason, I don't know. It's, it's cool. I, I'm excited for July 31st for the first game. Yeah. I mean, the, the countdown is on for that. I mean, we're like four weeks away, super excited yeah. for that first game. And here's why I'm excited for these scrimmages. We'll have an opportunity to talk about basketball as it's actually happening. Finally. Yeah. So we're not going to probably be able to see these scrimmages, but as somebody who covers the Suns, I'll actually have some news and notes that I can kind of take a look at and be like, hey, here's how it's going with the Suns now. Instead of being like, hey, 
I can't wait for it to, to see how it's going to go with the Suns. Yeah. So that's why I'm excited. It's like it takes that July 31st start day and it moves it up eight days. All of a sudden, July 23rd against Utah becomes the first scrimmage in which mm-hmm. we might hear some reports coming out of Suns camp on, hey, so-and-so looks good. Hey, you know, somebody sprained uh-huh. their ankle. I mean, there's actually going to be basketball occurring. I think that's why I'm excited about it. Yeah, for that reason, you're correct. I just don't think we'll get too much information. I feel like it's going to be a lot of like, so how did you guys do out there? Oh, it was good. We got things to work on, stuff like that. That's, that's what I feel like we're going to hear, which would be mm-hmm. awesome. I mean, any kind of interview after any kind of like scrimmage or game would be great. I just don't think it's going to be too much information. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to be such a downer <laughs> so, so early in this podcast, but I'm glad you're excited about this, dude. I'm excited about everything right now. I mean, yeah. we had a badminton too, game yeah. the other day, and you lost uh, badminton, so I beat oh. you there. So was I there? Yeah, you were. Oh there. yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You you were on the other side yeah. of the net losing. I know, I know, I know. That, yeah, I, I <laughs> which don't which brings that. a question that I want to ask the Jamster listeners, uh-huh. and we'll we'll throw a Twitter poll up probably tomorrow on this. No one will respond, but that's okay. Are <laughs> overhand serves allowed in badminton? Yes or no? Quite simply, what are your yeah. thoughts, Matthew? I don't think they're allowed, but um, if I don't either. You, if you're, I don't know, professionally doing it, yes. If you're in the backyard and someone's serving it to you and you're standing right in front of the net and they're doing overhand and they just hit you in the face every time, I don't think that's very fair. I think to get the game going, getting a flow going, is always good to have an underhand toss. That's why I like it because you can get like the back and forth going quicker. If you're doing an overhand serve, it's like, oh, point, oh, point, 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 because no one can react that quickly. Yeah, it's more fun to hit the birdie up in the air and have a yeah. nice little volley versus like going for aces the whole time. Exactly. So I, I agree. I mean, my teammate, your brother, was mm-hmm. just out there just trying to pick on you and just oh, hit that like thing always. as hard as he could. Yeah. yeah. Hit, hit as hard as he could at you. And, yeah. it's, uh, you know, I was just like, come on, man. Like, I want to volley. It's, it's more fun to get that point after a good volley. Yeah, it was fun, though, dude. Anytime, like, hanging out with the family – Especially with the bigger brother always picking on me and trying to tear you away from me, stuff like that. You know, that's how it is. That's I how it happens. He, he wants to be on the podcast. I know it. I, I know yeah, it. deep down inside he wants to. <laughs> Sorry for that little side tangent there. No, it's okay. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing that came up that I want to talk about before we really kind of go into everything, DeAndre Ayton, yeah. is the fact that Woj reported that the NBA is close to finalizing a second bubble in Chicago for the eight teams that aren't going to Orlando. Let's talk about this. What what do you yeah. think about this? I think it's like why not? Why not just, you know, have this opportunity to have the other teams play? Because they're missing out. They want to play still. I mean, I know they weren't good enough to actually finish the season. I mean, not finish the season, but just to make the playoffs. But I think they deserve an opportunity just to finish out the season. Even if it's eight or ten games in a bubble, it's fun. And it'll it'll have some revenue. You know, the players will play. We'll have an opportunity to watch them. Maybe not a lot of us will watch them, but I mean, since we've been so starved of basketball, it's an opportunity just to watch more basketball. So I'm like, why not? It's not a big deal. The whole COVID thing, of course, is a big question there, but I'm, I'm moved past that. I feel like the NBA has a handle on things. I don't think there's going to be any issue there. So I think it's a good idea. What do you think though? Would you even watch this if you're, if they have this actually, you know, if it actually happens? If the Suns ended up in this secondary Chicago bubble, I would absolutely watch it. And again, seeing as we're so starved for basketball, I probably will still catch some of it here and there. I think that it's an interesting proposal and it's something that it's almost like we got blindsided by it. I didn't see this coming. No, no one did. Yeah. So, I mean, 
there's more opportunity for basketball. If I'm, if I'm a fan of one of those teams going into the bubble in Chicago, I'm all for it because yes. you get your team play and it allows them to just develop more and you want them to, to have an opportunity to kind of finish out their season, if you will. And, and you see what you've got. Mm-hmm. I think it does nothing, but it's nothing but positive for the teams minus the whole, you know, potential to get COVID. But I think that with the Orlando bubble, we're really seeing that there's an opportunity to provide controls and set them in place that you can do in multiple places and conduct these kind of sporting events. I think it's fantastic. Uh-huh. Uh, did you, you know about this TBT, the basketball tournament? No, you were telling me about that last night, but what was it? It's just like retired players or what is it? It's, it's just a bunch of players. So essentially what it is, and I had no idea this was coming either. Like everybody's talking about the Orlando bubble and the countdown yeah. to July 7th, 8th and 9th when they're doing their testing before they head out to Orlando and, and like everything that's involved in, I think it's Columbus, Ohio. And I forget, I think that's the only place that it is. There's like a little bubble and there's a bunch of teams playing and it's a single elimination basketball tournament where like, the winner gets a million dollars and it started yesterday. I turned on the ESPN or I think yesterday and there's basketball and it says live. I'm like, what's going on? Uh-huh. What's going on here? And it's a bunch of teams. And, and there's some like, I think ISO Joe Johnson's a member of the team. One of the teams, uh, I was looking at some other names that are like the top 10 guys who are, uh, in this basketball tournament that you need to know. And like, uh-huh. there's a couple names that kind of came out, but it's just a bunch of guys who, graduated college a couple years ago and you know haven't been playing or they've been playing overseas and it's just I mean they're, they're playing basketball and I was watching a game yesterday and I think it was like the house of pain was playing against war Tampa those are the names of like the yeah the and I was just I was impressed and nobody's talked about this I haven't heard one word about this you know and and maybe it's out there and I've just been oblivious to it but I feel like I'm pretty in touch with anything that's going on sporting event wise and it's on again today. And like, once we're done podcasting and you're editing and I don't have to Mm -hmm. sit down and edit, I'm going to go watch this thing. No, this is crazy. I'm actually taking a look and it looks like there's a, there's a team called team CP three. I don't know if I think Chris Paul's like the coach or something, but he's in it, but yeah, just a bunch of random players. But how did we not hear anything about this? And it's just looking at it. they, They have like champions from going back to 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. I mean, so they, it looks like they do this every year. I've, I've never no, heard of this in my me life. Either. Me this neither. is like a dream kind of, you know, like you just have a dream about basketball coming back and this yeah. is what it looks like. <laughs> this is exactly what it looks like. Exactly. It's like logos you haven't seen because, you know, because like in your dreams, Alec you can Peters. never really see anything. Yeah. Alec Peters is in there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm going to definitely check this out. I just don't know how it wasn't like mentioned at all. Any podcasts I listen to, no one talks about. I listen to a lot of basketball podcasts mm-hmm. and I haven't heard anything. Yeah. Right? I, just, I don't even, I still don't think it's real. I'm going to check it out though today <laughs> just to see. But, but, but between this and like the Chicago bubble, just knowing that there's more basketball coming back and sports are kind of making a return. Yeah. It's, it's good to see. It's, it's yeah. reassuring. It makes me feel like, you know, everything that we've kind of been going through between the social distancing and the self-isolation and doing, you know, putting our masks on every day and trying to get this world back to normal mm-hmm. sports is going to be something that really leads the charge in making us get back to normal. You know, you can't go around this virus. You got to go through it. And the way to do that is you set up processes and, and you put them in place and you be as safe as possible and then yeah. you can start to conduct some normal things again so it's it's just it's nice to see no it is really nice um i'm excited because this is kind of just like a little bit of like an appetizer before we get like the real thing you know nice app i dig mm-hmm. it 
All right, so let's talk about DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton uh, did a presser this week as well as went on YouTube slash ESPN and broke down some footage of himself playing defense and, and, and some really, really good uh, analysis and self-realization. And, and you watched that YouTube video, right? Yeah, I watched snip, like snippets of it. I didn't watch the whole thing, but mainly just like the, the main parts about him talking about him uh, saying that they're going to be safe. It might be dangerous, but I don't really think he believes that. He's just saying that. But I think that he was talking about, you know, we're going to wear our gloves, our masks, and our rings. <laughs> so he, he's very, <laughs> very focused. He, he looks like he's very excited to get back just to actually prove the doubters. And that's something, like, I needed to hear from him. Like, what do you think? Like, if anything, besides his game getting better, just his attitude of him wanting mm-hmm. to prove people wrong and just to be actually, you know, more mature and someone that has literally, like, no doubt in himself. That's what we wanted from Aiden. So that's what exactly I feel like we got in this interview. Of course, you want to see it on the court. But we got this interview. I wasn't expecting what he was saying, especially about the three ball. But mm-hmm. more of just he wants to get better and prove people wrong. Well, I think that the the only thing that kind of makes me a little standoffish about all this is, and I'll echo what you said, it's absolutely what you want to hear from your potential superstar center. You yeah. want him to come out and, and speak with confidence, speak with the hunger in his voice, and, and he wants to go and show everybody, hey, here's who I am. I've had some time to step away from the game. You know, he commented saying like, hey, I kind of felt like I was in high school. I just sat around and played video games. I was like, hey, yeah. me too. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that, it's what what makes me a little bit afraid is I don't know if this is one of his multiple personalities. Oh, I don't know because okay. he's kind of known for doing that. You know, he's got a lot of different personalities. You know, there's funny Aiton, there's serious Aiton, there's uh, standoffish Aiton, and I feel like that's the one we typically see on the court. It's only when he really puts his head down and gets aggressive, you see, you're like, oh my god, this guy is a monster. He's a beast. Why can't he be like this all the time? Because it's just not in his DNA. And we yeah. can't expect him to be somebody who he's not. He doesn't have that killer instinct. He's not somebody who wants to go through people. He wants to go around them. We've talked about that before. Based on this interview, it sounds like he's changed his tune. I just want to make sure that it's actually something that he's going to follow through with rather than just saying it. Because anybody could say it in an interview. Until I see it on the court, that's when I'm going to be super happy. But if this is one of his multiple personalities, what would you name it? I mean, I guess it would be just a serious Aiden, but I, I don't, I know what you mean with like the multiple personalities thing, but I think like that whole thing is just more of like a joke. His other personalities are like kind of like a joke. Him being this way, I think is just kind of like who he is more on like a serious mature level. So I, you know what I mean? Like the multiple personalities might just be something that he has fun with him and his teammates or whoever he's close to. So I don't know. I just don't think this is really like his multiple personality. To me, I don't see that. Well, I hope it's mature, Aiden. That's who, uh, and I hope yeah. that's what's occurred in this time off. Is he has had an opportunity to recognize some strengths, recognize some weaknesses, and work upon that. And that's what uh, he really pointed out in his ESPN interview with Mike Schmidt, mm-hmm. as he was breaking down footage of him guarding Luca and him guarding Victor Oladipo. And he was really talking about his footwork and his hands. He's like, as you can see, he's like, I know Oladipo likes to go right. So I'm going to cut off that right anywhere I can. If if it's with my feet Mm -hmm. or my hands, he's like, I've got big hands. It it might not look like I'm super active with them, but if you watch them, they're moving. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Like his footwork is pristine. One thing we never hear, I mean, DeAndre Ayton's footwork is what's going to excel him to that next level. He's still just learning how to perfect it. 
with Mark Bryant showing him the way, he is getting better and better. And you see it just in the defensive uh, sets that they were running in that interview with Mike Schmitz. It was fantastic to see him break it down. And that's the maturity that I'm looking for from DeAndre Ayton. Exactly. I'm, looking for, I'm looking for him to understand, recognize, and then act upon his, what he's seen. And that's, you know, any player, especially a second-year player who only played 30 games this season, you know, that's what you're really hoping to see, and that's what we're starting to see, essentially, when he's talking mm-hmm. about it. No, you're, you're exactly right. The most beautiful thing to me, though, is just he's talking about guarding, like, out on the perimeter, t- guarding these guards. Like, that's, that's awesome to me. It's mm-hmm. not just down low under the basket. We know he can do pretty solid down there, but him just with his footwork, I mean, we noticed that from, I feel like, day one. He has great feet just knowing how to use it, but him actually breaking down footage about him guarding a point guard or a shooting guard is something that, I don't know, a lot of teams, this is why he went number one, because you're not going to find a guy like this, I don't think, anytime soon again. I know Doncic is different, and Doncic is probably maybe a better player all around right now, but you're not going to find a guy that can move like this, who can defend like this, and who's so efficient under the basket. And talking about the three ball, too, if the three ball doesn't come, um, I'm not going to be too upset. I know he's excited to shoot it, but I always, of course, want him to stay like down low. I mean, if he does shoot the three ball, do you think it's like something that the Suns will need to succeed? Not necessarily. I think that if, if he shoots like to a game, all that does is open up his game and that will allow the team to succeed. Because yeah. one of the quotes that he had from his interview was, let me tell you about that three ball. I'm shooting that three ball like it's a midi. I'll tell you that. That's a, that is a midi shot, all right? Other than that, I've been trying to dribble the ball, getting it off the rebound, and pushing the tempo. So with, a, with statements like that, yeah, he's been trying the three ball. And we've talked about it in the past. Like uh-huh. Probably the main reason he hasn't shot it is he doesn't want to get the critics upset with him or even us fans of like, why are you shooting that shot? But I think him shooting about two threes a game, maybe even just one, as long as he shoots a, a three or two a game, it opens up his game because now whoever's guarding him has to take that one step closer to him. Now, it's not like he's going to blow by them on the dribble. I understand that. But what he can do is if he does a pump fake and that guy moves forward, it's a quick pass to somebody and he can cut. Next thing you know, he's dunking. And it, that's what it creates. It creates an opportunity to put himself in a better position and a mismatch with the opposition. And that's the end goal in basketball. So what do you think? I mean, do you, do you think that the Suns need it for, to be successful? You know, like I said before, I'm not going to be too upset if he doesn't have it this next season, but Mm -hmm. if he is going to shoot, I say he shoots four a game at least just because he has to get used to shooting it in the game. If he's shooting two or two or one per game, it's like, ah, I went over two. I went over two. I went over one. You know what I mean? Like you got to make at least one out of four or even like two out of four or two out of five, something like that. I think that would give him more confidence. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I would love to see that. I just think in, if, if he has this ability to make the three, like you said, it's going to give opportunities because he's already a good passer. I can see him being a great passer in the future. So he's going to shoot the three. Be a, I think he's going to be an elite passer for a big man. Great footwork, great hands, great defense eventually. Mm-hmm. Efficient under the basket. Like what else can you ask from a big man, dude? So this is like, this interview, everything just got me very excited. Like, I cannot wait to see this man on the floor again. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one of the most – between him and Booker, I'm just so damn excited to see yes. who they are coming out of this break. Oh, yeah. I, I guess just, the only issue I have with shooting as many threes as you're talking about – and, again, the Orlando bubble is a great place to try this out. Yeah, It's a great place to go there and just start jacking them up and 
develop that confidence. But what you don't want is you don't want DeAndre Ayton starting to rely on standing in the corner or hanging out behind the threes because his offensive rebounding numbers, although they're not spectacular, they're mm-hmm. one of his strengths for sure, especially on like his own misses. He's so tall and he's got a, a quick step, second step. Yeah. When he can take that ball in real quick. You don't want him hanging out 30 feet from the basket. You want him down around that basket. So as, if they're called sets and they're set plays, and then other than that, he knows – because that's going to be the maturity part, is understanding when should I be outside 30 feet and when should I be down low yeah. trying to get those offensive rebounds. Yeah, and I think a lot of it would probably be, like, not even fast breaks, but just him, like, maybe, like, falling behind on uh, offense. And, like, he's if he's open for the shot, like, lagging behind the offense, then that's a good shot, I think. You know, if he's just open in the right spot at the right time, it's not like he's not hustling. But if he has the opportunity to, uh, you know, make it so that he's spacing the floor correctly and he's in the spot to where maybe he – not even in the corner, but just anywhere outside the perimeter – I, I want him to take the shot. I know, but I've always been like, just don't focus on that now. Focus on other things. But if he is actually as good as he's talking about, then he mm-hmm. needs to start shooting it. All right, so here's the here's the lunch yeah. bet question, okay? Let's do it. How many threes will he take in Orlando? Not per game, in all games combined. Oh, I'm saying. Over, under. My over, 29. 29. 29. Yeah. Good Lord, that's a lot of threes, man. Yep. <laughs> so you're saying he's going to shoot 3.6 a game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna say twelve. Okay. I'm gonna go with twelve. Okay. All right. So <laughs> I can't wait to listen to this later on. I know. After he I, shot like five, <laughs> we're, I, I'm like, after 29. he doesn't shoot any. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so whoever's closest wins. Whoever's furthest from there. Okay. Uh, so I mean, I'm essentially taking the under. You're clearly taking the over. Oh yeah, I lost. <laughs> My other question, I guess, is based on everything that he's been saying about how he wants to come out and prove the league wrong. And again, that's what you want to hear. God, it makes me excited. You know, everybody's always focused on Trey Young and Luka Doncic, and and DeAndre is like, listen, I want to prove this league wrong. What yeah. are the odds we see a more aggressive DA in Orlando? What percentage? are the odds in your in your mind that he's more aggressive. More like that one game, I think it was against the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Or no, it was the Knicks. It was the Knicks, I believe, it was in Madison Square Garden, where D.A. just like, you know what, fuck this. And he, he got, I think, 20 rebounds. Remember that game earlier this season? Yeah, I, I remember that. I don't know. That is game. that? Yeah, that's aggressive. I, I want him to be more just assertive and just have the belief in himself to make the right play. That's what I want more than him just being aggressive and dunking on people. I know we like the dunks. And I, he should always dunk when he has the basket like wide open when he's straight to the lane. But I just like it that he was more assertive in certain games to where he would believe in himself. And you can tell it. You can tell it while watching the game where he knew how to make the correct play and wasn't like hesitant at all. That's what I want to see. But do you think he's going to be more aggressive, though, when we see him again? I think you nailed it. Assertive is the right word there. More assertive on the offensive and defensive end. I don't need him to dunk. As long as the ball goes in the basket, I don't care because he's got a beautiful soft touch yes, around that basket. And that's one thing I've always appreciated yes. about him. Everybody wants him to dunk at home. It's like, listen, two points is two points. And if he's got that beautiful little finger roll that he can put in there, I don't care, man. If that's his shot, you know, that's like saying Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's like, listen, you got a beautiful hook shot. Nobody has one like it. and We've never yeah. seen it since, which I don't understand. But no, I want to see more dunks out of him. No, man, yeah, two points course. is two points, man. <laughs> yeah. So I agree with you. I want to see him more assertive. I think on a percentage-wise, I'm giving it 63% more assertiveness from DA. All right. 
<laughs> I don't know how we could ever measure that, but I don't know. We'll figure out. I'm sure you'll figure out a way. All right. So we're going to talk about your boy now. All right. That's my, who's my boy, your boy, Josh Jackson, JJ, huh? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. he said, he said some things this, this week. He was, uh, on Instagram, I believe it was, and made a post and then somebody kind of responded to his post. So he responded to that person's post as typical social media and trolling goes. Yeah. And he said, your entire organization is unproductive. Stop blaming 20 year old kids for 15 years of sucking. Yeah. And he also stated that literally everyone who leaves Phoenix does great. And if you think if you think book is about to waste his career there, you just as dumb as you look, we all know the players aren't the problem. So Josh Jackson really called out the front office this past yeah. week. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on this? I mean, I'm not surprised he actually said things to this nature. I think that's just JJ. That's, that's Josh Jackson. I think for you to blame other people for your incapabilities, basically, to carry out his first two years with the Suns in a good way, it's, it doesn't look good. Because you know that's not – I know the front office sucked – it's still on you to do a good job and do the best you can. And to be, even if you're 20, you're still, they, he was on billboards with the Suns, him, him, DeAndre Aiden and uh, Devin Booker. You know what I mean? So they mm-hmm. wanted him to be the, the big three. <laughs> like, so you have to take on that responsibility and do the best you can. He didn't try his best here. You know, he didn't. And like by watching games, you can tell he didn't give a crap what the coaches said and what they were trying to teach him, especially Kakashkov. I just, I expected this. I just, I hate when players, do this or fans. I hate the back and forth. It means nothing. And I don't know what he means when players leave Phoenix, they do better. Like who's doing better? Just sons who play against. Let's for- No, f- former sons who play against the sons. That's it. Like Ish Smith. Oh yeah. Well, you know, of I course mean- <laughs> that's, that's for every team. That's for any player leaving any team. I just don't know. I, I, I get where he's saying like they're young and stuff and they got to be like, basically like kind of have like that yeah and but have someone to look after my guests and like guide them in the correct way but a lot of it's on you too i like you to admit that you messed up i don't know did he ever do that did he ever admit that like you know i should have done better i bet you he will probably in like five or six years yeah when he looks back and realizes that yeah he is a 20 year old kid yeah a lot was put on his shoulders and i can understand and respect that first thing we haven't sucked for 15 years josh jackson oh it's yeah, only no. been 10 i know okay yeah. come on man get your math right we've been sucking since you were five years old. <laughs> yeah. uh, but i i understand where his frustrations come because yeah a lot was put on his back he's the number four overall pick in the draft so there's a lot of stress that comes with that but the expectation to perform is not unwarranted if you're the number four pick there's a reason you're the number four pick and the way that he left this organization wasn't necessarily because the front office was trash. It's due to his actions, him yes. going to Miami and, and you know, getting in trouble with uh, illegal substances and such. Him showing up to practices drunk and throwing up from the night before and then getting, you know, a, uh, yeah. sitting out a game due to it. You know, those, those mm-hmm. are actions that lead to unproductivity and you essentially get in the boot from the organization where they're like, listen, we've had you for two years. He had plenty of opportunity to showcase himself and he just, he didn't have it. He was athletic as all hell and there was flashes, but I mean, we used to watch the games and we noticed it. Like whenever Josh Jackson, you could see in his, you could see why watching the game, He's like, I'm going to the, the rim no matter what on this play. Yes, there, was no, yeah. there was no adjustment. And then he'd go to the rim and the defense would be there and he wouldn't know what to do. And he'd either charge somebody or throw the ball away. And it was just like, it was little mental mistakes that 
you know, instead of maybe going out and partying your ass off, if you spent some time watching your film, maybe you would have more of a productive time here in Phoenix. It just makes me sad to hear things like this, though, because I did like Josh Jackson when we drafted him. He wasn't my number one choice that year. I was a big Lonzo Ball fan. But once we got him, as typically it goes for me, whoever we draft, that's my boy. I, I loved, you know, he looked so nice in those jerseys. You know, he had the fro going. I just thought he was an awesome, you know, basketball athletic talent. I'm like, okay, this is kind of, let's get behind this guy. And then to see him just not ever really come near his potential that we saw when he was at Kansas was disappointing. Yeah. And now that he's making these kind of statements and he's going back and forth with fans on like Instagram, it only fortifies the reasons why he's not in a Phoenix Suns uniform. Yeah, it doesn't help anything. Just like even ask Kevin Durant, his whole life now is him trying to defend himself and all that, yeah. and it's not helping him. You know what I mean? You just got to move on. Just believe that you made the right decisions. <clears throat> even though like in Phoenix, he didn't make the right decisions, but just just know that you can in the future. I don't know. It's just this back and forth stuff just drives me crazy. I paid no attention to it. Do you wish that we were playing the Grizzlies in the Orlando bubble? Uh, no, I hate, I only for, I would like to watch it, but I'm scared to play them kind of like the Mavericks. I just, cause if they win, it just makes me that much more angry. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, we, well that sucks because we get the Mavericks twice. I know, but, but, uh, I would like to see the Grizzlies for a couple reasons. One, that's the team with the eight seed right now. It's so disappointing that the Suns aren't playing literally any of the teams that they need to leapfrog to get into that final spot. Mm -hmm. They're not playing one of them. I would like to play the Kings. I'd like to play the Grizzlies. You know, we get the Mavs, who are like the sixth seed. So it's like, that's kind of disappointing. But two, yeah, I'd like to see Josh Jackson play for the uh, – oh, there's Laney barking in the background. <laughs> but I'd like to see Josh Jackson go against the Suns because, I, you know, I, I wonder how Book feels about those comments. Again, when I hear things like this, it's just like I was talking on last week's podcast with the whole Stephen A. Smith thing. Yeah. These are the little things that I hope Dem Booker's not listening to because these are the little things that chip away at confidence and he's allowing other people to create the narrative. I don't think that Dem Booker's going anywhere. I yeah. am pretty sure he ain't going anywhere for a while. I think he's very happy in Phoenix. He wants to revitalize this franchise. But when you have Stephen A. Smith saying something over here on national media that's getting a lot of play, then you get Josh Jackson saying Booker's not going to stay there his whole career. I don't know if it adds to the narrative of him eventually wanting to leave. That's I don't, I don't think so. It's kind of like I can relate it to like, so the company I'm at right now, um, a lot of the people that I was there with in the beginning left and they always talk so much crap about like, um, you know, our bosses, the, the owners and all that. But I knew this, like the company I'm with now has a future. It's like something I want to, to grow with. And I feel like that's kind of like with Booker with Phoenix. Like people are going to leave. They're going to talk shit. I don't think it affects him at all. I think it's just like, um, I think they're probably friends. It's fine. Like, just like I'm friends with my old boss. I hated our company. You know what I mean? He, I think he has his own agenda. That's why I think Booker just has his own path. And I, that's why I respect him so much. And that's why I'm excited for him to be in Phoenix. All right. Well, let's talk about NBA 2K21, huh? Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Right. So we, we both talked about this on the last podcast. Uh -huh. uh, you were the closest because you actually said the name of the cover athlete. And I don't know why I didn't think about this. Because you first released, <laughs> yeah. you know, so for those of you who missed last podcast, we were talking about the covers of NBA 2K21 as they were releasing different covers. And they said that they're going to go ahead and release three total covers. And the first one they released was Dame Lillard. Mm -hmm. And the second one was uh, Zion Williamson. So Matthew and I were going back and forth trying to figure out who that third one was. And we both kind of agreed it was Luka Doncic. We should have known 
that it's going to be a legend because they did the same thing last year. They did the same thing the year before, you know, last year was the D Wade edition. They, you know, somebody who's retired recently gets like one last shot at glory kind of thing. And it's Kobe Bryant as well. It should be. You mentioned that it should have been last podcast, but we didn't spend too much time on it. And I absolutely love that. It's Kobe. Uh, I don't know if I like the, the actual, cover itself oh you don't like it i like it. i mean it's cool it's like a kobe art thing and yeah. i respect that but it would have been just cool if it was actually his picture but uh good call nba 2k very you know the mamba forever edition is looks badass yeah i'm definitely gonna get that one out of all of them i was thinking about the damian lillard one because of how much he's helped the Suns with you know devin booker going to the all-star game yeah. but uh <laughs> no i'm getting the kobe one but what would you what do you think because this one's gonna be a hundred bucks for the the next gen yeah. So I don't know if you're going to get the next, like the PS5, but that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll get the PS5. <clears throat> yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I'm gonna get I think that it thing. looks really cool. People think like, it, like it's got mixed reviews on what it looks like. I think like it looks really the cool. The cover or what? No, the the, the next gen PlayStation, play, PS5, like mm-hmm. the, what the console oh, looks like. Oh, yeah. You know what? I don't know. I. It, I know it's pretty big, um, but yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't look too cool to me. I mean, that's fine. I don't care as long as it looks good. When whatever games you're playing, that's all I care about, honestly. Yeah. Well, I like the way the console looks too. You know, I wasn't yeah. a big fan of the PS3. I just I don't know. It was too curvy or something. But then of course the PS5 yeah. is like super curvy. Uh, the controllers look really cool. Mm. But like you said, the uh-huh. quality of the of the game itself is going to be fantastic. I hear like loading times are way less, and this I mean it's oh it's gonna be awesome man i I was actually yesterday being independence day i watched independence day because like that's just what i do Mm -hmm. you know we're gonna live on we're gonna survive (laughs) today we celebrate our independence day it's like one of the greatest speeches ever but it reminded me did you ever play the independence day video game on playstation one i didn't know they had that Oh my God. It was like the greatest game when it first, it was one of the first video games I feel that came out for PlayStation one. And essentially you start off like underneath one of the spaceships in a fighter jet, just like fighting the aliens and the graphics, especially after, you know, playing like Nintendo. Yeah. uh, Like super NES, this comes out and you're just like, what the hell is going on? This is the greatest thing ever. And I was just like, really nostalgic watching that movie. Remember in that video game, I was like, man, I wish, like PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5 when it comes out yeah. would allow you to play those old games on their consoles. That's one thing that always disappoints me is when a new console comes out, mm-hmm. you can't play old games. Another great example of that is the NCAA football games. They stopped making those in 2014, so you don't have any NCAA football games for PlayStation 4. You yeah. have to have a PS3 to play them. Yeah. Like, why can't I just play – God, that would be so awesome. That's like, that would be cool. That's like um, my favorite video game ever is any of the NCAA franchises. I'm still upset that they don't have those. Yeah, I would definitely. There's a lot of games I would go back and play too. Um, mm-hmm. I, is this one not backwards compatible? To I, don't, back? I, I don't know. Okay, because usually, I w- they, I wish usually it would. they aren't. I don't, I don't know why. Because um, they want you to buy all the new games. Oh, of course. But like, I mean, you'll still buy the new games. It's just you have all the old ones. You still want to play those. But uh, I know... Um, 2k is actually their football franchise is coming back it's going to be a little bit different than what like madden is but they're coming back next year too so i'm excited they're, they're about trying that. again huh yeah i hope so those, they were they were the best those games were awesome the ones that used to have randy moss on the cover yeah 
NFL 2K. Those were awesome. 2K5 with T.O. on the front. That was the best one. That was the best football game I ever played in my life. That's right. Yeah, 2K's football games were great. Which football game was the one where it allowed you to go inside the quarterback's helmet? Was that 2K? That was 2K, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) it was like the weirdest thing ever. You're just like, okay, I'm the quarterback now. It's like you just have bars on the screen. I'm like, okay. Well, you could do like any position. You would just be inside. It was so hard. Like I'd never played that way because you can't play that way. It's impossible. Yeah, it's like we're going to give you – uh, 3D spatial recognition. I mean, yeah. it probably it could work now because virtual reality is actually taken off. Yeah, I think it would. Yeah, that would like be. it'd actually be really cool to kind of do a game that way. And it's like you just kind of run in place, you know, and you can turn and look, and here comes the ball, and you go to catch it. But like back then, like when you're playing that on your TV screen, uh-huh. like this is horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was hard, but that was a fun game, though. That was. That was. Yeah. Well, I think it's officially time for our dumb trade of the week. We have another one every week, somewhere, some way, somehow, somebody comes up with another trade. This one is coming off of Instagram. This is from Tim Fork in TV. Tim Fork in TV. And he says, Minnesota has the highest chance to get the number one pick. So let's do the T-Wolves trade the number one pick to the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns trade Devin Booker. Mm. Mm. I think that one's gonna work no none of these are even like the ones coming out of New York where they're just still talking about Booker going there it just doesn't make any sense like I none of this is gonna happen so I'm not even reading into this at all oh me neither it's like here's again if it happens I'll be draft (laughs) but then again if it happens I want to be surprised (laughs) all right well I guess we're done with Booker (laughs) who's next (laughs) Uh, well that's just Minnesota fans really want to get that that they want that together I don't blame them they they want that and honestly they They have good reason to believe it they have good reason i feel like even though i know i know we say like he doesn't say anything but from the media standpoint they're trying to get him there what of course would you if you're booking why would you want to play in new york anyways i know it's a great stadium but you got the suns like uh redoing theirs their stadium doing Mm -hmm. everything that you want that's why i'm saying he's not going anywhere because he has his hands into so much of the sun's future well i just think it's impossible the suns are invested in him and they've proven that and that's that's kind of the key i feel like one of the downfalls of the ryan mcdonough era and the coaching along the way was there was no investment in the actual people in the franchise Uh uh-huh you know, I mean, it was perpetual coaches coming in because they just, every time they didn't succeed, they're, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone. So, and no one was coming here to succeed because they knew that this is just a revolving door. And it was the same thing with players. Players are getting upset because they're not valued and, and they're at a stadium that is old and with training facilities that are archaic. Yeah. And with Devin Booker, they're like, listen, here's a huge contract. And as part of that contract, know this, we're going to, redo the stadium we're gonna have a brand new workout facility we're investing in the future and we want you to be a part of the future i mean it's one thing to sit there and say hey markeith morris we want you to be a part of our future show him and that's yeah. what they've done with devin booker and they yeah to that, to that point he's gonna stick around at least for the next three two to three years to see how it goes now again yeah. if in two years nothing's changed we're perpetually at the bottom and I mean, I understand go, you know, I'll, I'll drive him to the airport myself. Like, sorry, Booker, man. We, we tried everything we could to make this a successful franchise. Uh-huh. It just hasn't worked out. But the, like I've said before, and I'll say it again, man, the culture has changed in Phoenix. We're on the upswing. Now you got Monty Williams, a phenomenal head coach. Who's more than just a head coach. He's a mentor to these young men. You have James Jones who actually has a vision. 
You know, I feel like every time that Ryan McDonough, and I, I don't disagree with everything that McDonough did. I like some of the things that he did, but every time he had a pick or a trade opportunity and he made it, it's, you never just really saw how it fit into the team. Like drafting Josh Jackson. Well, you the, don't even know if it was him doing it. True. You don't know if Sarver's behind him talking yeah. and if he's just the puppet. But like drafting Josh Jackson, I was always frustrated with that when it first occurred because we had TJ Warren at the time. I'm like, well, why are we adding another wing right here? Now, if we're going for the best, the highest upside in the draft right now, and that's your reasoning, then I'm all for that. But like, that's, I didn't feel like that's what was actually occurring because Darren Fox was a better fit right behind. I mean, we literally had like higher upside and a better fit the next pick, but he went with another wing. Like McDonough at the end of his career was just collecting wings. He's like, oh, now Trevor Reza. Now, I mean, he's just bringing every wing he could. Ryan Anderson, bring them all. So, I did, sorry, I think I just went on a little tangent there. But I just think that bringing it back to Booker, we've invested in him. We're showcasing to him. And by we, obviously, I mean the organization, not me personally. But we're investing in him as a member of the Suns team going forward and he's the future. And I think that's what keeps him here, keeps him excited and engaged. And that's why you don't hear any rumors, not one. I've heard one rumor, Booker being unhappy. All I've heard is other people say Booker should come to our team because he's fucking awesome. Yeah, that's all it is. And I don't blame him. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You want to do a couple mailbag questions? Let's do it, man. All right. Fantastic. So again, Suns Jamsters, there's a couple ways that you can send us these mailbag questions. You can email us at session at gmail.com, or you can f- uh, visit our website, sunsjamsession.com. Uh, we do have a, a contact page there, so go ahead and hit us up that way. Yes. And our first one comes from Nash Porter. He said, if you were able to stop one of the pieces of bad luck from hitting the Suns this season – what would it be? Example, eight never getting suspended. Mikhail not going cold from deep at the beginning of the season. Tyler Johnson not becoming unplayable out of nowhere. Or Finley not giving uh, Elliot Kobo any more minutes. Uh, also, just started listening to the pod two weeks ago and love what you guys are doing. Keep, doing. keep it up. Great podcast. So thank you very much, Nash Porter, for that question. I think it's a fantastic one, especially as we're getting ready to go back to the Orlando bubble. What, what's your answer to this one? Well, it has to be Aiton. Definitely. I, I, I agree. I agree. But if you're thinking about outside the box, there's just so many weird things that happen. We, we mentioned before, like Tyler Johnson, where he just has such a weird year. But it's like, what if he actually played the backup two guard or the backup, you know, one and played to his potential, which we thought he had, you know, and it just kind of went away. It was very, very strange. The whole Elliot Kobo thing, I'm for that. What if we stopped playing Elliot Kobo? I know. Stop giving him minutes. How much better would the team – how many games would we have won more if Kobo wasn't playing? Because he seriously did not contribute. Maybe two games. He had maybe two pretty good games this season. But besides that, he hurt the team a ton. And he didn't know what he was doing. And it hurt the team a lot, especially when he had Javon Carter, who knew exactly what he was there for. And he came in and he got the job done. But I had to go with Aiden just because – any franchise, whenever they pick their number, their number one pick, and if this happened to any other franchise, the second year, twenty-five game suspension, it's always a setback. So this is like, this is the biggest um, bad luck, piece of bad luck that we've ever had. I feel like with the Suns organization in like probably the last ten years. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this question, and I came up with you know a couple little ones along the way, but every little one that I was thinking, it all came back to Aiton. You know, I'm like, well, what if? Uh, Aaron Baines didn't get hurt and we had a solid year out of Aaron Baines the whole year I'm like well the reason that he got hurt is because he had to play too many minutes 
because Aiton wasn't in there for 25 games, you know? So th- there's that side of it. Uh, I also think that no DeAndre Aiton means that we're seeing more of Sarich and we're seeing, you know, or, or I'm sorry, we, we're not getting the Bobra lineup sooner in the season. You know, if yeah. Aiton's there, Monty Williams has the opportunity to start that Bobra lineup, not in mid-January, but maybe he's trying it in November. And we find out that this is a team that's really gelling well together and it's equating to more wins instead of us trying to just navigate these canyons of bad luck left and right. I mean, this was, I think if you play this season 50 times, this is one of the worst outcomes possible just based on luck period. Yes. Everything kind of went wrong, went wrong for the Suns this year. And still somehow we're in the bubble. We still have a 40% winning percentage, which is way better than what we've seen in recent years. So I think that, it all comes back to Aiton and the suspension. Yes, it does. It really, it really does. You know, Tyler Johnson, I think that's an outstanding point. Like, if he was the guy that he, he kind of was at the back end of last year, somebody who you could rely on to come in off the bench and score those points when Booker's not there. That's one thing. I'll say it before. I'll say it again. That's one thing we definitely need on this team is some offensive output when Booker's not on the court from the two-guard position. It's – we don't have it. And Tyler Johnson was supposed to be that guy. And he just, he, for some reason he was caught in the middle. He didn't know if he should be a point guard and try to distribute or if he should shoot the ball. And so sometimes he'd start distributing and he'd throw the ball away. I mean, I remember, I think what, what game was that? It was uh, we were playing Memphis, I think. And you and I were at the game and Tyler Johnson was just playing like garbage. And we're like, yeah, this is it. He's, he's done. Cause he doesn't know what to do. And then he became the black hole where you'd throw it to him and he wouldn't even try to dribble anymore. He's like, I'm just going to shoot it. Brick. Yeah, I'm just gonna shoot it. Brick. Yeah, he was just lost. Him and Elliot Kobo were just totally lost just on the totally offense, lost. making yeah. the worst plays that you can imagine. I know it's a lot of like, hey, just go out there and just <laughs> do what you think is best, and then we'll go from there. But it was never the best for the team. It just wasn't. And that to continue to get minutes throughout the season was such a question to me. I don't know why. Maybe just to give people rest, but still, come on. I mean, we we're playing like nine to ten guys. Like yeah. you don't need to have those guys in. No, you should eight-man rotation. I'm good with that. Yes. Uh, our second question comes from Anju Arun, and he says, who was more important to the seven seconds or less team, Boris Diaw or Raja Bell? I'm going Boris Diaw, definitely. Um, I know this is probably your answer too, but just because I feel like he was so undervalued by me when I was younger, just like, yeah, who is this guy? But he helped the team so much. I, I, going back, you just think of him like helping the offense facilitate the ball such a a big guy that can pass the ball and do so many good things. He wasn't aggressive. I wanted him to be aggressive, but he played such a big role in replacing, especially after um, the fact that we got rid of Jason Richardson. Uh, we went a little bit bigger. We ended up getting Kurt Thomas and stuff like that. But well, he, I mean, th- th- those are two completely different eras. I mean, we got Kurt Thomas in 2005. Jason Richardson didn't come to the team until like 2007 or 8. Jason, did I say Jason Richardson? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I meant Quentin Richardson. Oh, okay. I'm like, yeah, my bad. <laughs> okay, but anyways, cool. so yeah, after that, we lost that team. Like basically some pieces we we didn't think were a big deal, but we ended up getting Boris Diaw. And I just think that helped out the team more than I thought. And I think that he fit in with the team. It should have stayed with the team longer, I wish. Um, but I'm going to go him. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could disagree with you, but who was Raja Bell? Raja Bell was a guy who played physical defense. You know, he was our, supposed to be like our lockdown defender, and the only way he could stop Kobe is like clotheslining him. But he was our version of defense on a team that just didn't play defense. That wasn't our goal. Our yeah. goal was just we're going to outscore you. He was a guy who became an effective three-point shooter, 
Uh, in fact, just the other night I was watching Fox Sports Arizona and they were replaying a uh, game, I want to say five of the 2007, no, 2006 Western Conference semifinals against the uh, Los Angeles Clippers where he hit that clutch three in the corner. And I mean, that's one of the hugest shots in Suns history. Yeah, so of course. I, will, I will not discredit Raja Bell for that. That was amazing. And, you know, he definitely contributed. But that role changed. I mean, with Steve, Steve Nash, obviously, made everything go. And it started with Joe Johnson and Quentin Richardson by his side. And then they're gone. Then it became Raja Bell. And then he's gone. And then it became Jason Richardson. So that was always kind of a revolving door. Boris Diaw was such a unique player that was way ahead of his time. A big with footwork who could pass, who was athletic and finesse more than big body physical. And that's where the league has gone. I mean, who's the big body physical guy right now in the NBA? Tell me that. Who's a big body physical guy? Yeah, like who's no finesse, all physical. It's like Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, I guess so. But even even Hassan Whiteside holds back a lot. So. Yeah, but I mean, what I'm you know, so the point I'm making is those guys don't exist. There's no shacks in the league anymore. It's more of these big finesse guys, and Boris Diaw was ahead of his time in doing that. I mean, he was playing the five in a lot of those playoff games back in 06 when Amari Stoudemire was out. So he really kind of revolutionized in a subtle way the way that that position was played. It said, hey, we can go a little bit smaller, and we can have a guy who can pass, and he can still rebound, but who can pass and uh, be finesse around the basket and run up and down the court and put you at a disadvantage because your big guy's lumbering up and down the court. And that's why I think yeah. you know, from a seven seconds or less standpoint, a team that goes faster, Boris Diaw is definitely more important to that era than Raja Bell. Again, I'm not discrediting either of them. I miss them both dearly. You know, I miss winning dearly. I think that was, it was really, <laughs> it, it was tough watching that game the other night. Cause it was the full on broadcast. And like I've seen it on YouTube. We went back and watched those games as we were doing a recap of the, you know, the forgotten seasons for the Suns, a podcast yeah. we did earlier this year. And we're talking about that 06 team. Everybody talks about, you know, the 0405 team and the 0607 or yeah, the 0607 team, but not a lot of people talk about the 0506 team. But watching the actual broadcast from a Phoenix Suns, or for, it was on TNT. I mean, it's just, it, it's almost depressing because you forget how long ago it was that we were actually good. Yeah. And I mean, it's it, always depressing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you should go back and be celebratory, but you know what's going to end. You know, you know how it's going to end. It's like the Suns win this game, but they go on and they lose in the next round. I mean, no matter what, yeah. it always ends with losing. And, but even the fact that we're in the playoffs and seeing, you know, U.S. Airways Center going crazy the way that they were, I'm like, God, I just miss those times, man. And I'm hoping that they're right around the corner. I really feel that as a franchise, we've turned the corner and I'm looking forward to kind of seeing what happens in Orlando. And again, I'm going to take it back to the top. I'm excited to hear what happens in those scrimmages. Are we, are we physical? Uh, and I'm also interested to see how fat Luka Doncic has been. Oh, well, I see some pictures. He looks the same. Damn it. He, well, he's never been like trim. He's always had like baby fat. He's still like. Yeah, he's a he's, husky dude. He is. Yeah, he's just a big man, dude. He's almost as big as Aiden, I feel like. So. He's, he's a big guy. So, I mean, he can be that way and play his game because it's a slow, fast game to where he can just create space without – he's like James Harden, basically, a bigger yep. James Harden. So, yep. he's fine. I mean, it'd be funny to be that he'd be like Oliver Miller size. That'd be awesome. <laughs> it'd just I be funny for a couple for that. jokes. Yeah, <laughs> I would love that, man. 
Well, that's it for this episode of the Suns Jam Session podcast. Remember, you can follow the podcast on the Bright Side of the Sun Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Suns Jam. You can go to sunsjamsession.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. And that's all I got for this week or this episode. We'll probably we'll put another one out later this week. But uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And everyone, go home and love your family. Amen. Amen.